Night eight of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Boy, we're in a groove now coming to you from Winnipeg and Las Vegas. Looking forward to game four of this Western Conference first round series of the Stanley Cup postseason. Darren Millard, Chris Chapman, Darren Elliott is with us in the broadcast booth at Canada Life Center. We'll get you fully up to date and ahead of what's going to happen tonight in this contest between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Chris Chapman back in Vegas. Uh, we are operating in and around the Fox Sports Las Vegas uh, Finley Chevrolet Studio, home of the. Are you, are you afraid? Well done. Are you afraid? Well, well, no, no, that was below expectations, well, Elliot. You're being kind there because <laughs> Chapman is filling in for Wallace today, and you're on remote. Where are you? I am at the Whiskey over in Inspirata in Henderson. It's on Bicentennial Parkway. Sh- it's right by my house. My house is right around the corner. Really? Yeah. yeah. This place is beautiful. It's the first oh, time I've been in here. It's yeah. it's a gorgeous bar, and, and there's a there's a patio, and you have fantastic views of Las Vegas Boulevard from that patio. But I want to know, yes, why the subpar low level woo? Well, is because, because you're out in public and you don't want people looking. No, at because you? there there would be a massive <laughs> echo, and uh, I don't want to distract the people enjoying their adult beverages. So, so you don't want people looking at you? No, no, it's not looking at me. I just don't want I, people want to enjoy their beers. I don't want to, you know. You looking, a, at, you looking at me? Give me a woo. <laughs> give 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 me a full fledged woo then. Oh boy! All right, here we go. Come on, woo! boy, There's Chris Chapman. Uh, he'll have uh, control of your pregame show tonight and then the intermissions and the postgame show taking all your calls. Uh, for those that are used to our routine on the VGK Insider Show, we take the calls in the first segment uh, every Monday, but because we're spread out all over the place, uh, we're going to push that back to tomorrow. It's only a 90-minute program today getting into Game 4 here in Winnipeg, so we want to maximize all of our time. So we're just going to shove that back a little bit and give us all, all kinds of extra uh with as much as we can to really bring you the ins and outs of this series. And I mentioned on VGK Today, the podcast that went out to tee up uh, this game number four, that one of the things that's really jumped out at me in being here with the team, being able to see the behind the scenes of the players and the coaches is just how casual and fun they are and how they've embraced this series. This is not a stress test by any means behind the scenes. They've embraced it. They have, and why that is is they've got guys, half a dozen guys that have won Stanley Cups. They know that the off days have meaning, but they're not supposed to be stressful days. They're supposed to get your rest after the last game, get your ice bath because it was a physical game. Um, Don't waste your, your mental capacity on things that don't matter. Focus in on game time. And so you're right. So far, so good. And I mention that because most people will be watching the games on television. Those that are able to uh, gain the access to the great shots uh, that our crew gives you. And they see the, the game face of Bruce Cassidy. You see the players walking in and they're so focused. And you think... Ah, they, they keep that together like that all the time. In between the games, you do let your guard down a little bit, and I th- would think that that would have to be a must. It is. I mean, that, and, and you, you know, sometimes your approach, you have to learn that. Or, or, or and in this instance, you have enough teammates that can teach the guys that haven't been deep or in the playoffs like Jack Eichel what's important, when it's important, um, and, and how to approach the off days as well as the game days. I'm curious. So let's bring in Chris Chapman. Uh, what's your jumping off point as far as going into game four, looking ahead to a big swing game with the potential of a 3-1 series lead or a 2-2 uh, set tied? Well, I mean, I, I think they, for me, I, I love the way they started game three, right? Like you come out, you get that early goal, you get a power play goal in the first period. I want to see them start game four the way they started game <laughs> game three and then like I think it was Mark Stone said in the the post game presser that we got to close it out like I want to see them close it out like obviously they're happy that they won but they're not happy that that they gave up three goals in the third period so um, you know there's that mix of I want to see the 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 power play working but but again I I think the fast start is is almost imperative again they've done that on the road all year yeah yeah it's incredible do you feel better? And Chapman's the voice of the fans. Yep. So that's <laughs> what I, I yeah, really yeah, yeah, yeah. It, It's valuable because you yeah. do bring that perspective. Uh, do you 
Are you more at peace with what happened the other night in the third period here in Winnipeg with the Jets' comeback and forcing overtime after Tampa couldn't hold on to their advantage and ended up losing their game against uh, Toronto and the L.A. Kings let a 3 nothing first period lead slip through their fingers? Are you more uh, accepting that this is the National Hockey League uh, nowadays and you have to sort of go along with that? Yeah, well, we, we've seen it all year that, that no leads are safe in this league because teams are just so good and there's so much yep. parity. And, look, I to, to be frank with you, I don't really care about the three-goal lead being lost in the third period. All that matters to me is that the Golden Knights are one step closer to advancing into the next round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. You know what? Leads are, 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 are blown all the time. Teams make comebacks. And that's a credit to how good the Winnipeg Jets are and the fact that they were not willing to just go quietly in that third period. But... Golden Knights dug deep, and like I said, all I care about is that they won that game. Third period, it's gone. It doesn't matter at this point to me. Winnipeg did have their push the other night. and Perfect storm, too, the way it happened. Yeah, and Vegas, their composure in overtime is something that uh, that should be complimented. They got back to their game. There was, was pretty low-event hockey the it first was. overtime. Um, but you're the road team, so and you, you're the team that knows how to check and keep things to the outside. And then you get a, a fortunate bounce on, the, on being in the right spot on the forecheck, and you get the goal by uh, Amadio. Um, all good there. But the, the, like if you think of the comeback, um, it, you know, you watch. I watched the game last night. Edmonton. It's just Drysaddle was a force of nature. We we don't really have that. So and, and neither does Winnipeg. Quite frankly, nobody does other than Edmonton. So. You get a goal from Nino Niederreiter early in the third. That's the spark. That's the life that, as a goalie, as a team, you don't want to see that puck go in, whether it was a good shot, bad shot, good goal or not. You're trying to take time off the clock. Right, run, run off as much so, as you can. So, so if you get to the under 10, right, uh, media timeout, and you're still a three-goal lead, Everybody's looking to the next game, including Winnipeg. Yeah. You're making them do the math and go, "This is going to be really right." But it, it, if it's still, you know, four to one at that point, it's like, yeah, uh, with 9:42 to go. But it wasn't. It, you get the spark. You get the power play goal. Shifley picks the corner, and all of a sudden it's game on. And then you can't move Lowry, who's having a uh, a series for the ages thus far, at least his ages. And uh, you know, th- th- there you go. It, it, it's you've seen that kind of. It almost has to happen that way. That early goal has to be there, and it was. Yeah, you don't need three in a row, but you need one to early. give you some belief yes. in, in that, and, and it worked in because it wasn't zone domination oh. that we've seen in other. It kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, you went up and went. Oh, it, they can tie it here, and the, they're pulling the goalie, and they can tie it with one shot, and and they get through. Uh, curious on both standpoints, uh, Chapman. Uh, I'll let you go first, and then Darren Elliott uh, uh, chime in on this. After three games, now that we're a ways into this series, who do you, who stands out to you as like Vegas's top players or player uh, in this set? Well, I think certainly Jack Eichel has 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 stepped up and he stood out to me. Um, multiple points um, in, in in previous few games, um, you know he he's really stood out to me. It's it's a case of maybe those first game jitters, first time in the playoffs, they they went away. Uh, Mark Stone, obviously, but I think Chandler Stevenson has, has kind of quietly had a, a really good series, and, and he's a guy, and it's funny, right, because we, we had this stretch where we kind of forgot about him because he wasn't playing with Mark Stone, and now all of a sudden, him and Mark Stone, they rebuild that chemistry, and all of a sudden, Chandler Stevenson is, is, is really producing again, and, and I think he's a guy who, like I said, quietly has kind of had a, a really good first few games. Yeah, that's a great observation. Somebody within the organization nudged me and said, we're getting Mark Stone back, and it's kind of a two-for-one because Chandler Stevenson loves to play with Mark Stone. Uh, he's been going at the end of the regular season. Let's see what happens uh, when he can fire up. Uh, who's jumping out to you through the first three games, Elliot? Both those guys. Um, I'll go back on the defense a little bit. Um, I think Alec Martinez has been a veteran presence back there that has – not to be underestimated. Uh, I just think he's one of those guys. We know he's, I don't know what the end is, obviously, but he's closer to the end than at the beginning, and he's had such a storied career. And here he is in a, a chance to win again and, and teach some younger guys or guys who haven't been through it as much what it takes to win a Stanley Cup, and he's showing it. He, 
blocking shots, getting up in the play. I just, I just have really been impressed in a physical series, in a physical game anyway, in game three, how he's able to play his game. He got some late power play time. He doesn't see a lot of man advantage yep. time uh, under this uh, this setup uh, this year, and he almost wired one in the other night. And, and then sometimes, you know, that's when you want to be a little extra cautious. You put two defensemen yep. out on the power play instead of, you know, the four forwards and one defender. So that's when he goes out there. But I, I've really enjoyed, if that's the right word, it, watching him compete um, when – it, 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 the league is at its most competitive. Well, I'll tack on to the behind-the-scenes part with Martinez because yesterday I, I had a chance to speak with Brett Howden for VGK Today, and we had a five-, six-minute conversation being in Manitoba and being uh, in this environment and uh, being involved uh, offensively and, uh, and creating. You're from Brandon, great, aren't you? Uh, yeah. So, so then it comes up uh, uh, while we're talking. Martinez goes by and is chirping the whole way. And then he goes back again, <laughs> and he chirps the whole way again okay. to the point that I, we have to – we don't stop the interview, but we pause the interview to give Martinez a chance uh, to come on to figure out what he's talking about. But he, he just keeps on going by. But it was awesome, the the, the camaraderie between yeah. the team. And then today, we're just hanging out with Martinez as he's finishing up an interview. And Elliot and I get chatting <laughs> with him. And somehow it comes up that I'm a Manitoban. He's like, he didn't realize that. He's like, you're, you're, you're a Manitoban? And I said, well, I'm from Brandon. And he goes on this tirade. <laughs> <laughs> about how every nobody admits that they're Manitoban if they're from Brandon. They say we're from Brandon, right? Like it's a it's another province. It's it's a it's a totally different part of the country. And, and he used the the uh, location of Michigan, right? Uh, I'm from Detroit, but I don't live downtown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm Grand Rapids, so I, yeah, like I, I just I, say I, I just say Detroit. I, I, don't, I don't say Grand Rapids. Well, I, just, I don't get there. What, what's with you guys? I've I've heard this over and over about. No, I'm 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 from uh, Manitoba, but I'm really from Brandon. It, it was given and, to, and then he goes. Oh, you fit right in. Over half the team is yeah. from Brandon or from out west here. <laughs> and, and this is this is eight hours before before yeah. the game when there's a lot of guys who are starting to dial it in. Uh, but it speaks to this guy's been through right. Stanley Cup championships. Uh, he's won the rings. Uh, he's he's taken teams deep or been part of teams that have gone deep. And that level of being able to turn it off and uh, and then enjoy it and then yeah. turn it on and play speaks to what you were just addressing, being on the ice and being that warrior that we're used to. Yeah, and, and again, I, I think that's his persona in, in the context of this close-knit group. He, he's the fake grumpy guy. Yeah. He, he, yeah. he gets to be the get-off-my-lawn kind of guy, but but really deep down he's got the big heart and, and really wants to embrace all these He will guys. find somebody to chirp. Oh, if it's not a sure. teammate, it'll be a broadcaster, <laughs> it'll be a trainer, it'll be an assistant coach. There will be somebody that he is chirping. Yeah. And he, does, he doesn't look like that when you watch him play. But no. he is a stirrer of the pot in he the is. most fun way. Exactly. And that's... That's just a piece of what goes into the, the old adage about chemistry. Mm. Uh, chemistry is uh, a great part of this team. You can see it. Uh, it's uh, back in full force with the, with the Vegas Golden Knights with a person like uh, Jack Eichel, who has now scored three goals in three games coming off a two-goal performance. Uh, what is more important, Darren Elliott, the power play connecting a couple of times or Jack Eichel scoring? A couple of goals on the power play. I think they go. Right. I think they go hand in but, hand. But they're different, and and I know that they they go hand in hand. Yeah. But what? Because you can sell me that a hot Jack Eichel can take over. Sure. A series. He's never been in one of these, <laughs> but you're starting to see signs that he can take over. And the power play won you that game the other night. Well, and, and Jack Eichel being that available and scoring a couple power play goals from his. I won't call it his office because I think it's Ovechkin's office, but that left faceoff dot as a right-handed shot, that certainly is his setup spot. And it hasn't been all year. They have toyed with it. They have, he and Coach Cassidy have gone round and round and round how best, where best to, for Jack Eichel to play on the power play. Find him an office. They've been well, shopping. Well, well, but they started there, and now they're back there. Yeah. And now how do you stay there? Yeah. You score. And he well, did. Well, you know what? He found, he found a new chair for that office. 
because <laughs> normally he likes the chair with all the wheels. Yeah. And that he can go over to the side of the office, the couch, the sitting area, or behind the desk, and he doesn't have to get up. He can just roll the chair around. I'm, I'm obviously uh, yeah. compare, but but right now he's got the permanent chair, and you'd be hard pressed to find another person who practices the right. one timers more at the end of practice. Sometimes he'll go out from and start that practice. spot exactly, and. Uh, there's not a player that uses the one-timer less than Jack Eichel. And then what did he score on? Two one-timers. Exactly. And I, I just I think that's a, a huge part about it. Get It is. Instead of being uh, controlling and slow it down and back it up and stick handle and down low, just hammer but, that puck because he's, he's got a good but, one-timer. But, but that was the second or third iteration of the power play. So yeah. he started where he is right now. Then they went to, remember, they flopped the other side. Yes. For, uh, right? They, and he was on the right side, and he was, okay, that worked for, or didn't work. Or Off his one-time side because right. he wasn't using it, so we might as well take him back right. where, he can, where he can distribute and the And he scored easier. a goal from there, and yeah. blah, blah. he only scored two power play goals this year. So it wasn't working, so that's on the right side. And then they had him be, okay, let's do the uh, Connor McDavid where there's no set place, just go your, your yeah. wheelie. He's more up top. Your wheeling that. chair yeah. that you were using, that yeah. analogy, where he's floating all over but nobody knew what that was all about. Yeah. I like him there, and I, he, he, that's where he's always played. That's, he's been working on that shot from there, creating passing lanes and one-timers since he was a teenager. And I said, when you score like that, when you produce, that's the best way to say, you know what? That works because now you got bet the second one, the second power play unit's the same with Marsha so there. Yep. That, that's going, but that's how they start. Th this is what they started with. Now, hopefully, they can be as productive. I didn't get a chance to talk to Connor Hellebuck about this. I probably wouldn't get the <laughs> true answer anyway. But I think Jack Eichel's first goal surprised him because they, they know how many times he would take that one timer from there. That That's no secret. Right. And by, by taking that. Uh, opportunity that shot. I, I think Hellebuck was just a little bit slower getting over it, thinking that he was probably going to stop it, pass it, and move it around. Well, well, there's that, and why he was ineffective on that side this year was he was at the hash marks too much, hmm. but against the boards, and then would try to get to the dot. He was starting anchored to the dot for the one timer. You can't score from the boards. Don't tell Nino Niederreiter that. But typically, you can't you <laughs> no. can't score from there. But from the dot, it's the same as Kyle Connor. It's the same setup. He outside the dot, you can get across. The goalies are that good. In dot and inside, you have a well, vastly there's better 20 chance. Feet difference there. That's right. And, and it was. I don't think it was anything that that Jack Eichel did or didn't do. The drift to the boards might have been from Buffalo. It might have been just. You know, getting more time and space. Yeah, that, that's what it is. Right? It's but, but you can never get to the dot then. They yeah. can they can s keep you to the outside. And you can't score from there. Mm. And I, I think that's a, a tweak coming into the playoffs, but it's back to the configuration that the team had for their power play to start the season. Do you think we'll see a more shot mentality from Jack Eichel the rest of this series? You, you have to. Like, when you're going, like his shots are, are way up. His shot attempts are way up. Right, and and I think that's well, that's uh, he leads that right. And don't forget, Mark Stone coming back and having two different lines. This is not power play related, but now you have two really prolific offensive lines. Um, that's slotted everybody properly again in terms of matchups. I think yes, Jack Eichel will look to shoot at every opportunity, but. As soon as I say that, I think of the brilliant play he made, the shot pass for Keegan Colasar's goal yeah. off the pad, shooting it to just lob it in there because Hellebuck will do that. Winnipeg's not great defensively. They don't sweep the top of the crease. And if they did, Hellebuck would be even more uh, renowned and, and, and maybe uh, in line for another Vesna. But he does kick out rebounds. They don't clear. Colasar scores a goal, and that was... Really well done by Jack Eichel coming down the wing. You know you didn't answer the question. Which, which <laughs> question was that about Jack? Yes, he's going to shoot you, the puck. No, no, no. The original question. What, what was the original one? What's more impactful, Eichel scoring two or the power play scoring a pair? Even though I, they're the same thing. That's the same no, thing. No, but you can't. You can't because you know what this. There's there's confidence on the power play that can get you going. There's confidence uh, for Jack Eichel that he could just and Jack off. and Jack Eichel on the power play scoring goals is good for both. It's good for we always talk about if you don't score in the power play but you're creating chances, it'll 
can, can bleed into your five-on-five five game. Well, better if you score on the power play, and it can still bleed into your five-on-five five game if you're getting your cookies, getting your looks. Um, so I'm going to go back to it. I, I think Jack Eichel scoring is the important thing. And I'm going power play, not to be uh-huh. a, a challenge of you, but because they've heard about the power play all year. Mm-hmm. And it's become a recurring theme, and oh, we're going to talk about the power play not doing this. We're not power play not getting uh, uh, clutch goals here or being effective, momentum sapping. Getting that going, it, it takes away a lot of noise, and and I think that's a benefit uh, to this group sure. as a whole. Chapman, what do you think? Well, I'm, I, I tend to agree with you, and and I'm going to go back to something that was said in the post game press conference. They gave up that goal late in the third period. They go to overtime. But it was almost reassuring and calming for them, knowing that they were going to start that period, the, the, the overtime session, on the power play. And I think maybe if the power play hadn't gotten going, they, they may not have had that confidence and calmness going into the overtime yeah. session. So I, I think, you know, it's, it's probably a little bit of both, but I think more so the fact that the power play looked good, aside from Jack Eichel scoring those two goals, and it gave the team confidence that, hey, you know what, we're starting fresh. We, we can still go out and win this game. It's not a big deal. You're splitting hairs. I realize that uh, in asking that question. No. The biggest impact to the power play, which didn't do its job in game number one, was 0 for 7 going into right. game number three. Mm-hmm. You were starting to hear that uh, that noise. Uh, he didn't score, but Mark Stone's presence on that power play seems to alter things. It does. In it, what way, Darren Elliott? He uh, keeps plays alive. You know, he, he's... Uh, you, you, it's that high-low, right? You you have to respect him because he can score coming off the the end line, off the goal line. Um, so again, that another legitimate option helps other players in shooting positions. I mean, it's as simple as that. Uh, fun to watch uh, with the Vegas Golden Knights and the man advantage, uh, the lines that they got going. Uh, Bruce Cassidy said today he, he's enjoying watching uh, what Jack Eichel's done. Uh, he, he was uh, asked, I think by Gary Lawless, uh, was the one that fired the question, uh, if you take away uh, the three goals, what have you liked uh, about Jack Eichel's game? And his response was, I'm not taking away the three goals. <laughs> I'm not, like, it, it, was, it was awesome. You'll hear from, uh, you'll hear from Bruce Cassidy in, in hour number two uh, of the VGK Insider Show just after 5 o'clock. But, uh, but he's not uh, – Bruce Cassidy is not shying away from uh, the, the incredible production that he's seen out of his first-time playoff performer in Jack Eichel. Especially after that first game. I mean, I mean I, he can say it wasn't a learning experience. Evidently it was because mm-hmm. he, he didn't look comfortable – in game number one. We talked one. to me for a long time about having to get back to his own game. And, right. And almost, uh, not vented to me, but but went on about his own game. Right. And, and can't try to play a playoff game. Whatever, whatever that what, is. Whatever that is. But <laughs> but he's watching enough playoffs that he thinks he's he, he knows what, what that is. And he found out that, it, that it's not. So yeah. just to get back to his own game, that, that it wasn't uh, uh, changing sports. No, it, it isn't. And the only thing that changes is that every time you have the puck, somebody's taking a chunk out of you. So it doesn't have to be a big hit, but somebody is trading paint with you, use the old NASCAR term, right? And, and, and so maybe he, he gets that probably more than anybody because he's an elite guy. Um, but you know what it is? In February, I might, take, I might defend with my feet. Yeah, and just keep in position. What do you mean by defending with your feet? Keep my feet moving, skating, cut off the angle okay. for you, instead of going straight at you and making sure that I get a piece of you. That's the biggest difference. And for him, once he figured that part out, it, it, he he's a big guy. He's he's probably targeted quite a bit as a, an elite guy. Um, it's like, oh, that's all it is. Okay, here we go. Bumper cars. Keep your head up. Um, no problem from there. Got a couple more minutes with Darren Elliott. Oh, what are you expecting tonight in Game Four from the Winnipeg Jets side of things? Well, I expect their best, the best Jets yet, and and so the way they, you know, Nita Ryder, I thought was their best player um, last game. I thought he was really engaged. They're going to probably want to do the same thing. Uh, I, I thought maybe all the hitting took them to distraction. Um, I don't. Did. Th- I, I thought it. I thought it did, and, and I, I'm not sure that they will waver from that, though. Because let's be honest, other than losing in overtime, that's that was a pretty stirring comeback. Um, so 
I expect them to come out, try to bang bodies, establish a forecheck like everybody else talks about. Um, but that's what you expect. But the focus of the Vegas Golden Knights isn't on the Jets. It has to be on how they come out and try to establish their game like they did in Game 3. So it's like we're aware of that, but that's not our focus. The Jets have made a couple of lineup alterations. Josh Morrissey will not play right. for the series. That's, that's, right. that's huge, uh, missing their best player. Uh, Norris Trophy candidate in Josh Morrissey. Not a finalist yet, but uh, he'll be in the mix when the voting uh, finalists are unveiled. But they've moved Mark Shifley, who was on the wing to start. Yep. And they had him on the wing because he was more responsible defensively. You almost hit him. His defensive shortcomings, Mark Shifley is an unbelievable player, but right. uh, he does have an issue when it comes to his, his own zone. Uh, they had him on the wing to shore that up and hide him. He's back to center ice and will play in a line with uh, Blake Wheeler and Vladislav Nemestikov. Right. And it, it, you know, and that's a couple big bodies. He's a, he's a skilled guy. Um, it's weird to see a centerman that has 42 goals and 26 assists, mm-hmm. um, and probably half of those were off rebounds. He's a shooter first. He's not a playmaker. Um, so that's another side of him as a centerman. It's, there's not a dish right mentality at all either, plus the defensive deficiencies. And, and so that's so, so the Vegas Golden Knights, they know that. So they want him to play. They want to be in their zone and make him play defense because he's not good at it, doesn't want to do it very long. Um, but we did see... His ability to score goals when he sniped that uh, power play goal in Game 3. Uh, be, just be wary of that Shifley and Wheeler combination. Yeah. They played a long time together. Uh, there's a possibility that this may be the end uh, for for either one of those players or both of them with right. this organization because there's a lot up in the air uh, with contracts and, and the future of this team. I just uh, That's the part, uh, the sentimental part. Uh, of the game, but I probably read way too much into <laughs> at, at times. But uh, I look at that and go, "Geez, that uh, that could be one of those uh, ones where they just get the the band back together with Shifley and Wheeler." It's going to be fun, though. Uh, yeah, this, absolutely. This environment, you're going to be with oh. me on the TV side. Yep. Uh, this environment pops. Uh, it's going to be great. Connor Hellebuck has to come out with a performance. Lauren Brassois uh, has been really good. Uh, so in his first three games, that was his first overtime experience. Yeah, uh, he, you know, that now as a goalie coming in, you, you always focus on just doing your job, next puck, next puck. But this is one you probably are a little bit aware of, you know what, let me make sure I don't give them – anything right if they score early it's because they earned it you know that kind of thing just make sure you're you're dialed into that kind of mindset the olympian darren elliott to have a great uh, broadcast on the tv side tonight yeah with you yeah how can i how can i not well i can uh, i can have a big say in that <laughs> and trust me on that. And, and i will I, i've ruined more than uh, more than uh, your kind of night uh, and uh, and more positive people's nights uh, over the years but uh, no i'm looking forward to yeah, being likewise. with darren elliott and at&t sportsnet and our pregame show which will start uh, right around six o'clock uh vegas time uh, we've got uh, uh Vegas uh, perspective and as well as the Winnipeg Jets line of thinking coming up next with Jamie Thomas as we continue from Winnipeg and Vegas on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. On Fox Sports Las Vegas, the VGK Insider Show, we are coming to you from Winnipeg and Las Vegas as Chris Chapman is located over at Whiskey and I'm at Canada Life Center uh, just off Portage Avenue getting ready for Game 4 of this Golden Knights series against the Winnipeg Jets. Vegas can take a 3-1 series lead with a third straight victory. Uh, More insight on this series with uh, Jamie Thomas who works for the uh, Winnipeg side of things. I have no idea what your actual title is. I've known you forever, but I have no idea what your actual title is. Do you want to hear like the actual title? Yeah. So it's like director, sorry, I got my hand, hand slapped for saying director. I'm the manager of radio content slash color analyst. Okay, so you do the radio broadcast. Yes. You're the analyst on the radio broadcast. Yeah, and then like just I'm the radio content guy that goes, like Kelly Moore has to tell me what's going on from CJOB and yeah. ask me. Nobody knows stuff. who Kelly Moore is in, yeah. in Vegas. So. Uh, Kelly Moore is like, our, I love I love Kelly. Yeah, He's Kelly's awesome. a legend here. He's like our sports, the sports director at CJOB. Yeah. But I'm making a joke. I, he doesn't tell me. I don't tell him to do anything. He just uh, works it out. But anyways. So why aren't you a director? Because I think director sounds, I think it's more. like More money and more, more, money. more holidays. Yeah, yeah. 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 It sounds so like it's, you're higher up on the food yeah. chain. No, you're, and, you're never going to get to be a director. I'm just going to tell you that right now. <laughs> like, 
right now I'm the manager of two people, myself and Paul Edmonds. So, <laughs> so they're not going to pay you any extra money. To <laughs> I come into meetings all the time as a manager. So how's your department? Well, Paul's doing pretty Paul's well. Paul's doing okay. Uh, we, we don't think that you can manage uh, two people, so we're just going to keep you at the at We're the, worried about you directing yourself. Level, yeah. yeah, so that's where we're going to manage you. All right, so you've watched this team for a lot of years. You've been yes. in Winnipeg for uh, not forever, but six years uh, is a, a pretty uh, competent amount of time. Yeah. Where does this Winnipeg team, this current group, mm-hmm. rate to six years ago when they were right with Vegas looking at uh, a long run and yeah. trying to get uh, into a Stanley Cup final? I would put them third behind that team in 17-18 and then the 18-19 team when you were here. Yes. That team was pretty much essentially the one that went to the conference final against Vegas. They just couldn't get – they didn't have any breaks, obviously, in St. Louis in the first round. I felt that – They it, lost to St. Louis the first round yeah. in that 19 year, and St. Six. Louis went on and won the Stanley Cup. Cup. If Winnipeg gets past that first round, I think they would have went on to win the Cup that year. Just that's, that's how good that team was, too. So this team is taking a while to get everything going, right? And, and it took Rick Bonus – it was a great start, granted. It had everybody – thinking Rick Bonus is going to be coach of the year. He was that close to coaching the All-Star game for the Central Division. They were second in the conference or their division at that time. Um, and then, you know, they went through a little rut, uh, like a lot of teams do, but this one went long. It was you know, about two months where they just kind of lost themselves for a bit. And then last homestand, and you know those, Darren, and, and your listeners will listen. Teams, you can tell when teams are about to come out of something when they're playing terribly. Yeah. Uh, then they start playing well and just not, they can't, buy a win here there you know that's written in the broadcaster handbook to yeah. say that yeah, yeah 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 so we're just like it's just we're trying to say things to get people to go it's not that bad <laughs> they've lost nine in a row but they're coming out yeah. of it <laughs> they, they deserve to win tonight so that tells me but anyways so that last they win four or five their la- on their last homestand and then go into minnesota or st paul and win that game and which was a gong show game a lot oh. of fights a lot of scraps like it, it was coaches challenging each oh, other you and dean evison you know is a longtime friend of yours as well but it, it, i think that game kind of got them ready for the playoffs mm-hmm. i got them in that right mode because it, it was nuts it was you know there was big hits here and uh neil peon cross checks uh johansson and there's that and adam lowry answers the bell with ryan reeves he's done that twice now he did that when, when reeves was still with vegas yeah. Uh, in in Vegas, that one game too. So yeah, that that game, I think, pulled everybody together and prepared them for the gong show that is, is the Stanley Cup playoffs. And uh, they're 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 playing their best hockey right now for sure. Jamie Thomas, the radio analyst for the Winnipeg Jets, manager of radio content uh, as well. <laughs> uh, don't call him the director because uh, then they'll have to pay him more. And yeah. uh, Mark Chipman True will North. be happy with you. Mark Chipman yeah. will be very excited about that. <laughs> uh, Chris Chapman's with us. He's over at Whiskey. Uh, say hello to Jamie. Hi, Jamie. How are you? Great, Chris. <laughs> I, I meant more than that. No, okay, like, right. I, I was hoping that you'd offer more than a hello. <laughs> I know you're a little overwhelmed and uh, intimidated by my director of content. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very important title, so I, yes. I, I kind of yeah. shrunk a little. What, what's your title, Chapman? Seriously. What, I, don't, what, I don't think I have one. Um, I'm not that cool yet. So, that makes uh, you dangerous. Yes, dangerous. <laughs> it's probably a good way to – Darren, Darren could attest to the fact that I'm very dangerous on the board, so we never know when we're on or off the air. So, uh, uh, But – but what you know, you know the other night I that, that that game Jets come back from a three goal deficit yeah obviously drop in double overtime mm-hmm. I think Bruce Cassidy kind of hinted to it in, in his presser that it could possibly be a demoralizing defeat especially when you factor in the loss of Josh Morrissey mm-hmm. what do the Jets have to do to get things right and kind of turn this around and not allow that to be a demoralizing victory well I think play the way you did in the third period with some desperation and and. They took away the middle part of the ice from the Golden Knights in the third period. Right, they, it was wide open in the first two periods, especially in that first. Vegas could do, you know, came right down the middle, often right through the neutral zone, which is not what Winnipeg clearly wants. But they have to play with that same emotion that they had. I felt they were a little overwhelmed by the whiteout. There's a lot of guys that hadn't played in front of it yet. There's, you know, this they hadn't played in front of the whiteout in this building. Even the veteran players that have been here a while since 2019, the mm-hmm. game against St. Louis. Because COVID, and then you missed the playoffs last year. So some guys kind of like got caught up in everything, I believe, because that, that, that kind of attested to their, their slow start in the first period. But you got to play the same way they did in, in the third, some desperation. The physicality there, I felt they played very physical in the first period. Uh, but that was Winnipeg Jets hockey in the third, starting to get pucks to the boards to the front of the net. And I give Vegas a ton of credit, man. They defended so well through the first two periods. I thought it was a reverse of game one in Vegas yeah. where Winnipeg played so well defensively. Shot volume yeah. for Winnipeg was exactly reflective of yeah. what 
Vegas did in game one. When you even look at the goal that Mark Scheifele scored, and, and you know, Niederreiter for that matter, those they weren't taking those shots earlier. They were just trying to find the, the pretty play to get the puck in front of the net. Then they just started shooting the puck, and the puck starts going in a little bit more. So more traffic, uh, getting pucks to the net. Um, I, I think they'll, they'll be fine. But, man, they want to find themselves in a better place after the first period, uh, clearly because that, that was not the ideal start for them in, in game three. And uh, full credit to the, flame, uh, the fans. They hung around. Yeah, they, they they were just as boisterous in the third period as they was in the the way they were in the first, and that kind of really pushed them emotionally. But they're going to have to equal that because I've I've watched a lot of this Vegas team clearly over the years. I've watched this team this year. They're an opportunistic group, and you don't want to give them too much to work with because I, there's no way Vegas is going to blow a, th- a three goal lead in Game Four the way they did in Game uh, Game Three. Jamie Thomas chatting with us. He's the radio analyst on the Winnipeg Jets broadcast. Uh, how fragile is Winnipeg? Mm. From a window point of view, mm-hmm. is is it closing? Is it not? Like we, we watch this team from the outside. Right. We wonder long-term futures of, of a bunch of players. Right. And is this – because mo- windows closing can be motivating. Yeah. Well, listen, you. it's a very interesting summer ahead for this team, right? right? You have Connor Hellebuck, Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley all in the final years of their, their current contracts. You can extend them or you can – You can – Trade, yeah. Pierre Luc Dubois is coming up right here right. to our. Yeah, yeah. He's a restricted free agent. Yes, right? yes. Yeah. They still have one year, one more year of team control as well. So there's just there's lots of little interesting moving parts behind the scenes. Like you're wondering is is this Blake Wheeler's last year? What are you going to do with Mark Shifley after this year? And and even like you look at Pierre Luc Dubois, can you theoretically even think about not having Pierre Luc Dubois and Mark Shifley here next year? That's mm-hmm. your one A and one B centerman. You, and if you're moving on from either one of them, you better be bringing something as you know just as good back because that's not going to sit here. So I don't know, know if it's fragile, but there's a lot of it's a very interesting off season coming up. Like you look with the Manitoba Moose, there's not people there yet that you could look at and go, they'll be here to replace this. You're going to have to get what you need in your trade. And a lot of you know, whenever teams, especially in Canada, don't do well, the conversation comes up about blow it up. Mm. You can't do that here. Like no. I, I, I watched San Jose this year. It's fine and dandy for the first little bit, but the last part of the year, and you have ten thousand people in your building. That in a building that only has fifteen thousand people. Complimentary there. I'm being very complimentary. That well, the last game the Jets were there. They said ten thousand. It was not ten thousand. No. But you just that doesn't make sense to me ever. Blowing things up. You have to have an extremely patient group, and you're just coming off COVID, and the amount of money that you've lost from that. It doesn't make any sense to me to go, let's blow it all up, let's start over again, like Chicago did this year. You're, you're clearly not in Connor Bedard this year. Yeah. So that's just, and there's no, I don't feel there's people, come, there's players coming up with that magnitude the following year. So I, I always, when people say, let's, let's blow it off, start all over again, you can't do that. Winnipeg is a great hockey town, but they're very knowledgeable fans, and I don't think people, people may say they want the rebuild and they want to blow it up. I don't believe that they would go for it for more than a year. How about that? Nikolai Ehlers has yeah. been skating. It would make sense if he went back in with mm-hmm. Josh Morrissey being out to yeah. give you a little bit of a boost to right. cover off that that absence. And then what do they do in the back end with Morrissey out? Right. Uh, yeah, that was. It just seemed like Nikolai Ehlers was going to play mm-hmm. right off the top. Like they were skating with the with the team. Didn't have the red non-contact jersey. That's what the Jets do. I'm not sure what Vegas does for non-contact. Baby teams. blue, baby blue. Yeah. Okay, I like that. Before I know, it's totally it, it w- different. It was gold here for a while yeah. until the regi- regime change. But um, you you look at everything that with Nikolai Ehlers in that first game and that little laughing going back and forth about the media wars. Ehlers said he wanted to play. Bonus like I don't know. He's game time, but now flat out, you know, Rick Bonus said today he's not playing, and he addressed that right away. So your top six forward group has played well. Um, you know, Nino Niederreiter and, and Vladislav Nemesnikov, this is part of the reason why they're brought in for their versatility. Mm-hmm. Um, but you clearly would love to have Nikolai Ehlers in your lineup. Helps you out in your power play. There's, a you know, this game-breaking speed and all that stuff. As to your question about what you're going to do with Josh Morrissey out, there's still a, we're not sure if it's, they're going to go 11-7 and seven tonight. And, and Rick Bonus. Well, that would make sense to me. Yeah, because you're bring if you're bringing in Logan Stanley, who hasn't played in a while. Yeah, six foot or, six, right? Or yes, or Lo, or Kyle Capabianco, who hasn't played in a while. And you're like, okay, it's game four. We need a win. Yeah, here we go. So in some way, and then then you have Neil Pionk who played 41 minutes in game three. Uh, Dylan DeMello's played around 38. Like there's just 
A lot of miles. Well, just if anybody went down with yeah. your six, you're to five again. Yeah. Uh, that's math. Uh, yeah. I'm really good at that. Crocus Plains. Uh, right. Down the road in Brandon. I heard it's a great school. Yeah, if, you, if you if you go down to five again, yeah. you're really swamped. So yeah. 11 and 7, they don't play the fourth line a lot to begin yeah. with. Yeah. And I, Logan, with the way this series is going right now, and it's very physical. So Logan Stanley fits in that. But then you look at Kyle Capabianco. Very good at getting back quickly, retrieving the puck and moving it, which, you, which is what you need against a team like Vegas, who's very hard on the forecheck with their forward group. Kyle Capabianco fits that bell as well. But it all ties into they haven't played in a while, and now we're throwing you into the buzzsaw knowing it's the Stanley Cup playoffs. Just go out and do what you got to do. So we'll find out in warm-up if it's going to be 11 and 7 or not. But I agree with you. 11 and 7 makes sense. But my guess is with the way the physicality of the series is going, you'd want Logan Stanley if you go 12 and 6. How does Winnipeg win this game? Uh, just, just I, I want to be able to tell the coaches downstairs. So, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. So they're going to do yeah. this right away. They've told me they're going to go after this guy, and then, so make sure they handle that. But to me, with the same ferocity, they played that third period, and make sure they start shooting the puck to the net a lot more. The, that whole idea of you got to look for the pretty play goes out the window. And it's amazing how quickly some teams forget. No matter yeah. how talented you are, still simply the best way thing to do is get pucks to the net. You have enough big bodies in front. Adam Lowry, who's been very good in this series. Nino Niederreiter is a big body. So they got to get pucks to the net and, and get some more traffic in front of Lauren Brassois. And they, and they got to slow down Vegas's forward group on the forecheck. Vegas has been punishing the Jets defensemen quite often through the series. And I also got to give a shout-out to Alex Petrangelo, man. He took a lot of hits in Game 3 and came out looking like a champ. He's the Stanley Cup champion for a reason, for sure. He's one of the coolest guys to talk to yeah. as well. I remember he, him he at the All-Star around. game one year. He, he gets it. He knows he, what's going on. He does. Yeah. He just, he's one of those guys where you could talk about uh, race cars yeah. or swimming or badminton or yeah. hockey. And I know. It'll be captivating yeah. no matter what. It's, it's, there's not many guys like that in, in this league mm -hmm. or, or choose not to be like that, but the guys that are, you sure love to talk to them. And Alex Petrangelo is a first-class guy. Okay, uh, the Bionic Man. Uh, do you remember the Bionic Woman's uh, actor's name? For sure. Now I play, I'm blank. <laughs> <laughs> we just spent a whole segment laughing about this L before Wagner. we came on. the Lindsay Wagner, thank you so much. Who is the character that Lindsay played? Jamie Summers. All right. Uh, yeah. Do you ever get uh, called out because your, the spelling of Jamie Thomas is the same as, no, as Jamie no, no, Summers? No, no, no. I got the right spelling on J-A-M-I-E, which is... Also, I know I could get eviscerated for this, but uh, <laughs> to me, that's the boy spelling of Jamie. So, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Jamie Thomas. I was born in the 70s. I apologize. I've worked with Jamie for uh, this is forever. I've worked with Jamie forever in uh, previous incarnations. We're part of the club, former uh, Roger Sportsnet employees. Sure do. Uh, we've got the secret handshake and everything, and and and, and buyout results. Uh, and no one well. sits and watches. 30 games at once better than Darren Millard. I'll say that. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, this is this has been awesome. Uh, yeah. I love being able to lean on you in this. And uh, hopefully uh, you have a long and uh, extended season next year. Yeah, appreciate that. I, I hope your season ends on Thursday. Right, that's fair. This year. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, 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 hey, I personally I would like to come back to Vegas twice. Twice? Yeah. You're going to Vegas once. Yeah, I'd like what that What are you already. doing in Vegas? Like when you come into town, what are you going to do? Uh, um... So you know this when you have kids. Yeah. Your whole life is based around get yeah. me this. And your wife is mad because you're in nice weather and she's not. Yeah. So I, My <laughs> wife thinks I'm a construction worker, so yeah. I've never told her that I'm doing this. <laughs> My middle kid doesn't even know what I do for a living. She's like, <laughs> my friends asked me the other day, what does your, your dad do? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> okay, go to the barber shop. Yeah. And go to Absinthe. Okay. Those, those are two things uh, that you should check out right. uh, for sure. I'll get in trouble because I forgot something, but uh, but Absinthe is a great show, yeah. and Barbershop is the best club going, bands, music, everything. There, there's some Avengers thing, too. I'm a huge comic book nerd, too. Oh, yeah. yeah I can't, that's like 35 Oh, yeah, that's, a, yeah. that's at the TI, I think. Yeah. yeah. Avengers yeah, Assemble, yeah. Thank I don't you. know the comic book side, but you're a nerd. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I can confirm flat. that. Well, uh, I just did it right there. <laughs> and we are talking about the bionic woman, so that also puts us in the nerd department. Well, how do you, what's the bionic sound? I love getting people to do weird things. Uh, thanks, Jamie. Appreciate it. I bought right into it. Uh, we'll come back in TF hour number two in the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Just over 90 minutes to game time. Sticks down, drop the puck, let's go. Game four of this Western Conference Stanley Cup playoff series between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Winnipeg Jets. 
Vegas has won back-to-back -back and lead at 2-1, an opportunity to take a commanding lead in the series. Winnipeg trying to force it to a tie and set up a best-of-three the rest of the way. Darren Millard along with Chris Chapman, who's out at Whiskey, getting set for the pregame show, which will start at the bottom of the clock. Uh, Chapman filling in for Ryan Wallace tonight. Uh, looking forward to the next stage of this series, which has offered three very different games, Chapman. You've got the response out of the gate where Vegas was not overwhelming and almost had guarded themselves against being too ramped up. You had the great response and the emotion in game two, followed by a back-and-forth game here in Winnipeg, rescued by an overtime goal from Michael Amadio. I don't know how anybody can predict what will happen tonight. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I mean, you, you, you mentioned it. All three games were a bit different. Um, one of the things that has stood out to me in all three games, though, is the fact that the Golden Knights, outside of game one, you throw that away, they've been able to put the puck past Connor Hellebuck, which was going to be a question coming in. He's given up 11 goals in the series. So the Golden Knights have been successful at putting the puck past him. Uh, but as far as what type of game to expect tonight, I, I don't know. Is it going to be a low-scoring game where, where Hellebuck has 45 saves? Or is it going to be wild, wild, wild west type of gong show, as you guys like to call it, like we had the other night? You love the term gong show, oh, don't it's you? A great, you know what? I, I think of the show. I used to watch it when I was a kid. I love the gong show. Ten goals in the last two games for the Vegas Golden Knights. They found their stride in that department, and Connor Hellebuck has not won Winnipeg a game yet. He's won a game, but that was largely in response to Winnipeg being able to put uh, a few on the scoreboard uh, and turned a low-scoring game, a close game in the third period, uh, into a sizable advantage. But there wasn't a lot of push by Winnipeg in that game, and then uh, or by Vegas in that game. And then the, the Golden Knights uh, took advantage of some, some much more urgent play in Game 2 and, uh, and scored in the first two shots in Game 3 to establish the advantage. So uh, they they've definitely found found a secret uh, in on Connor Hellebuck and uh, going east-west has been an area. They've got some breaks on shots. They've gone off uh, Winnipeg Jet sticks and they've uh, been able to go low to high on, on Connor Hellebuck and uh, whether it's uh, high tips or high screens, um, they, they've been able to, to take advantage of what is normally a very steady goaltender. Yeah, and, and I, you, you talk about some of the goals that they've scored. The one that really stands out, I mean, of the 11 goals, I I keep thinking about Jack Eichel's goal in Game 2, uh, the deflection, just an elite play by an elite player. And, you know, it, it, it's one of those goals that I think if the Golden Knights go on to win this series, it could be the goal that really stands out because it, it would have been the goal that got Jack Eichel going. You know, obviously he comes back in Game 3, scores two goals, but that seemed to really wake up the Golden Knights, that second goal of that Game 2, the Eichel tipping. And, and they've looked a much different much like a, a, a very different team since that goal. Mm -hmm. I talked to you guys about the ability to take advantage of, uh, of Hellebuck and his his side-to-side -side, um, movement before the series started. That was definitely in the scouting report. Uh, we, uh, we know Jack Eichel has a one-timer. We know Jack Eichel doesn't use that one-timer a lot. But I guarantee you, the message from the coaches, and uh, Sean Burke would do the scouting report on the goaltending in, in this series as the Vegas Golden Knights goaltending coach. The, the prompt would have been, make him go east-west, side-side, and get that puck away quickly because he doesn't get across the crease uh, as well as, as other goaltenders. He's a Vesna Trophy goaltender. He plays a lot. He's a workhorse. But his kryptonite is going side-to-side, -side, and, and they, they took advantage of that big time uh, in game number three. We'll see if that continues because Jack Eichel doesn't go from not taking the one-timer to all of a sudden teeing it up every chance he gets overnight without a significant push and a reason. Yeah, and, and as you mentioned, they, they, they're getting him side to side. They're, they're not allowing him to get set, which which obviously is, is huge, um, but there, there has to be something that they've seen, and, and you mentioned it, Eichel going from not shooting the one-timer to all of a sudden he's using it every time he has the opportunity. You know, you might be onto something there. Actually, I think you probably are onto something there because it's worked and the Golden Knights continue to go to the well. 
Well, my scouting report had it nailed, and now Jack Eichel's firing home on that power play uh, with the one-timer, and he's scoring goals. And an opportunity for the Vegas Golden Knights uh, to take advantage of a Winnipeg Jets team that will be missing Josh Morrissey, will not have Nikolai Ehlers back in the lineup tonight. Can you break a team's will? When do you get to that stage? Is it uh, in the third victory? Is it in the fourth victory when you actually eliminate them? Uh, sometimes you can chase a team out before the series actually gets to the conclusion by showing them that you are that much better than them. Uh, Vegas will be trying to get to that stage tonight. Bruce Cassidy spoke to the media this morning. A large contingent ahead of Game 4 here in Winnipeg. Here's Bruce Cassidy. Expectations tonight? Oh, well, it's good. It usually is. Win or lose. I think our guys are uh, pretty good at looking forward to what the next challenge is. And expectations are, I think, as the series goes along, I think both teams probably up their, their ante in their game. I would expect that from Winnipeg at home. Um, we need to expect their best effort tonight, and so we've got to be ready to keep building our game and getting better. So that's how I see it. Um, I liked our start the other night here. Um, you never know what to expect when you come in as, as a visiting team, but I thought we handled it well, did a lot of good things, kept ourselves out of trouble, uh, made some plays when we, they were there and, and got an early lead, which has been a good formula for us on the road, much more it seems than at home. We were able to capitalize early for whatever reason. And hopefully that's the case again tonight. How do you view the significance of the way a game four can kind of be a swing game in a series? Yeah, I think, you know, when you have a lead, it's always, you know, as you, as you said, as you get into it, you always examine. I used to think, well, it's the odd number of games that, you know, kind of will push you ahead. But, you know, this is a real important one, uh, you you know, for Winnipeg, obviously, because they're down a game. And for us, because all due respect to Winnipeg, we'd like to not come back if we can help it, right? So that, like, we want to, you know, keep keep building our game, keep getting our wins. And, um you know, that's that's kind of where we're at. We saw it last night with a couple of different ways. You know, Edmonton came back, um, did a good job with it. Um, Florida didn't, right? Didn't hold serve at home. So, you know, and go either way. We just got to take care of ourselves and uh, do what we got to do. And uh, hopefully it's good enough to win. I hear the phrase a lot, weather the storm early, especially on the road. And I don't like, I, I hate that mindset, to be honest with you. I really don't like it. I don't agree with it. If you're ready to play, it shouldn't matter where you play, especially this time of year. That was our kind of our mentality the other night. I mean, Winnipeg came into our building. They were very good in both the first periods. They weren't trying to weather any storm. I mean, they were. So I, I don't always agree with that, Jesse. I just I think you got to make your own sort of t establish your own tempo early on and not sort of um, worry about that. Now, if you find yourself in that, then you got to get through it, right? That's that's the key. Um, but you shouldn't have that mentality going in. I hope our guys don't. I guess before the series, about Shifley playing wing, they moved him back to center. How different do they look with him in the middle? Well, he's a natural centerman, and I think he's probably a better offensive player now. That's why he's played there most of his career. Our challenge is to make him play defense. I mean, it's, it's a tougher job to play center, usually defending. So that's got to be our challenge, with, no matter what line's matched up against him. Make him play in his own end, make him go 200 feet. Um, you know, obviously, power play can be dangerous. That's sort of a different set of sort of strategic plans and that, but five on five, that's what we'd like to do. Just a quick one on the Jets. How Nemesnikov and Niederreiter both new for your group, seeing them not in the series, but what, how have they changed the dynamic of that forward group? Well, I saw Niederreiter last year in Carolina for seven games, so I know his impact. Yeah, he's a big body that gets the net, you know, finish checks. Um, so you, you got to box him out. I think he scored a goal off the rush, obviously, the other day, so he could shoot the puck, but in general, he's a body in front that plants himself there and you've got to account for him. Mesnikov, I haven't, I mean, I've known him for over the years and it looks like what they've done is kind of plugged him where they need a responsible guy and moving him around and let the offensive guys play, you know, a little bit because he's one of those guys that does a bit of everything well. Um, so try to balance your lines. Uh, at the end of the day, they're all good players. I mean, it's not going to really change a whole lot of other what I just said. What is their strengths? So how do you neutralize some of that? And I think with Nemestikov, it's a little bit different animal than Niederreiter. He's just more of a big, heavy body like Lowry, right? Gets position in front. It's tough. So you've got to make sure you're on your sticks with those guys and, and establish your position early. And then if you're not, you know, some of the D are just not going to be able to handle that body. So they've got to front it and do a good job doing it that way, defending a big body. So 
whatever it is. If you're Nick Hagg, you probably push him out early or not allow him in there. If you're Marty, maybe you got a front and like I said find pucks coming from the point and and, and uh, defend that way. You talked a lot about your depth. Uh, what's impressed you most about your decor through the first uh, part of the series? Uh, it's a good question. I, I think that Whitey and um, White Cloud and Hag have been really, really good. You don't know because you think you're the, they're the youngest guys. Then you look it up and see that they've played a lot of playoff hockey, uh, won a championship in the American League. So they're, they're not. this is not new to them. Um, so I think them stepping up has been a real positive for us because games like tonight and the other night, you don't, whoever's out there is out there, right? You're not chasing matchups. So, so I think that's, that's good for us. I think Theo's game's coming around. He missed time at the end of the year. He's had a tough year with injuries. So you guys stop and start. Petro's Petro and, and Marty. You're always going to get you know, maximum value from those two guys. So, and Naber is the same. He's one of the most underrated guys. Said it all along. Real good guy to have in your room and on the ice. So I think they just go out and play. So I guess maybe that's it. They just play, right? There, there's really no long stretches of poor hockey with that group, typically, and that's why we're, we're, where we're at. How do you like to look at your fourth line with Barbashev down there? <coughs> well, it's still a work in progress because we've moved Barbie from Eichel's line to, I think he was with uh, Stevie for a bit. We're just trying to find the best four combinations, and how we added some speed to Stevie and Stoney the other night seemed to work for them, get, get to the net inside, guy driving. Um, Stevie can slow the plate, or sorry, um, Stoney slows the play down so well that, so that that sort of predicated the move. I talked to him today. Just play whatever line you're on. Play your game. Be physical. Get to the net. Make some plays off the wall. He seems like he's a little less um, wanting to do some of that right now and keeping it simpler. I think with Jack, it was like, oh, I got to get this guy the puck all the time, and that shouldn't change. It's we try to say, hey, get Nick the puck. Think the same way. You know, you're not going to make every play, but. You know, you still want you to make plays just because you're on the fourth line, but you know, you might be a little more forecheck tilted. Um, and that's fine. That's worked for us in the playoffs. So I, I think he's look at the winning goal, right? He's in the right like. Their D tried to make the right play. It wasn't like he tried to throw it up the middle of the ice. He's trying to get it up the wall of the winger. We just happen to be our good structure. We're, we're in the passing lane. Happens with a foot. So good for him. You know, that that's a big part of their game, and they got rewarded for it. Bruce. For years, multiple goal comebacks were a rarity in the playoffs. They seemed to happen almost every night. It happened against you, and then Edmonton did it last night. As a coach, do you see a reason why they've become so much more prevalent? Well, I, I see more penalties. First of all, you're given more opportunities on the power play. Might not be the last time goal they get it, but it leads up to it, right? Uh, I see more skill in the lineup, maybe. If you're referring to what the '80s, or you pick your, but even nine, a few years ago, you know, right? like you could just shut her down. Yeah, I just think the way the games played now, too, the D are much more active offensively. So your your personnel driven is much more offensively tilted than defensively tilted. I think the way that the rosters are built now. So everyone thinks, well, they're off. Don't forget the guys, the teams that are defending. Don't forget their rosters are a little bit offensively, so they're not as good defenders. I think your third and fourth lines are much more offensive guys than they were before, whereas before they were more checkers. So, you know, they're not as good at defending the lead as well. So you got a combination of, of both things. So, um, and we won the other night. Edmonton did, so it wasn't really a comeback. It was kind no, of I, I, I know. <laughs> can I say that? Yeah, you can say that. <laughs> but you would almost never see three goals. Like two, no, you would. Three goals. It was... No, and and I think that's why. Honestly, I just think that the skill level is 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 higher in players now, so it it, it helps you offensively. It may work against you a little bit defensively, and I do believe there. There's more opportunities to get on the power play before, and even a few years ago, maybe. I don't know. I don't have all the numbers in front yeah. of me. It just seems this year there's a lot more talk about power plays than, than maybe the other years. Looks like he made a comment about Brett Howden and what he's brought to that second line. Speed, he goes to the net. He always uh, drives to the net, so we're just talking about that. Stevie's really good, or Stoney's really good at holding pucks on his right side, right? He gets a play on side, and then he's got speed all around him, and uh, he processed the game so well that. Having a guy like that opens up some ice for Steve, you know, Stevenson in the middle as well. So he's been good with that. He's been good as a first guy in on the forecheck all the time. He's trying to finish his check and create some turnovers from that way. Because you know, Stoney's really good at you know stealing pucks. And so if he can sort of disrupt the original first touch for them or first pass, he's done a good job with that. And you know, he, he's he's a nice player for us. He's you know trying to find his way. And I think this year he's really built a 
you know, kind of a role for himself here in Vegas and started last year and we like what he brings. He got hurt early in the year and I think his numbers would have been pretty good for us this year, but he missed probably two months with, I think it was his foot or blocked a shot or something. I can't remember now. We had a lot of injuries this year, but he was starting to find his rhythm and he played in training camp with Stevenson and Stone and he, and he looked like he had some a chance to, to help that line where we could balance other things. So we always knew we may go back to it and uh, here we are. There's Bruce Cassidy from this morning's media session in front of a throng in Winnipeg uh, underneath the uh, stands as the Vegas Golden Knights uh, went through a spirited morning skate. Uh, Lauren Bressois was out there. Uh, the whole team uh, was available for that one after everybody that played in the five period game in the double overtime contest uh, that uh, Vegas was able to win the other night uh, took yesterday off. Uh, only the extras were on the ice, but uh, nice to see everybody back and that there's uh, no carryover, at least lineup wise, from that physical affair. Everybody's able to go. Darren Millard uh, here in Winnipeg and at the Whiskey. It's Chris Chapman. Uh, I love the depth that uh, that Vegas offers. Uh, the ability to get production from everywhere and not uh, lean on matchups uh, trying to stop the opposition, which is also a huge key in balancing the ice time. One observation from game three. Six of the seven players with the most minutes were from Winnipeg. That had to do with Josh Morrissey being out in the second shift and uh, the Winnipeg Jets having to go with, with five defensemen. Uh, but two of those guys, uh, seven, were forwards. Uh, just Vegas doesn't front load their ice time nearly as much as Winnipeg. And the reason for that is they do have uh, abilities to generate offense throughout their lineup, and Winnipeg's a lot more front-loaded. I think that pays dividends. Yeah, I think over the course of, of a series, it certainly does. I mean, you mentioned the depth, and, and we could even talk about some of the guys that Vegas isn't playing in this series because they have so much depth. I mean, I had the conversation with someone yesterday that when Will Carrier, if and when he comes back, who who does Bruce Cassidy take out of the lineup? Because every single guy has made a case to stay in the lineup. So it's a good problem to have, but I think it, it, it goes to the ability of Vegas to be able to roll four lines. That's something that, they's, that they've emphasized their entire existence as a franchise. And A, we want to have a lot of leaders in the locker room, but we want to be a deep team that could beat you in a variety of ways. And for the longest time, the third line for Vegas has kind of been... I don't want to say problematic, but it's been a, a bit of a weak point. But you look at the third line tonight for the Golden Knights. They've got Chandler Stevenson, Brett Howden, and Mark Stone. I mean, mm. though that that's your third line. You're talking about two perennial all-stars playing on a third line, and, and that's just the advantage that Vegas has in this series. They're deeper in, in, in the forward position, and it, it, it's going to pay dividends, I believe, in the long run. I, I think the, uh, the fact that you've got every line feeling good about themselves right now is also a, a huge key. Kolasar scores. Uh, well, they, he was they great like the to, other night. They, huh? they would like to get Waugh going uh, a little bit more, which is why Barbershev is there uh, to, to, to try and get that going. Uh, you heard Bruce Cassidy talk about Barbershev maybe making a couple more plays, getting back into that mentality. Uh, we'll be uh, watching that closely tonight to, to see what that what that fourth line does. But, uh, yeah, Kolasar having another conversation with the fans through the glass after scoring would it. be, would be uh, <laughs> on his list of I'd like to do that thing again. Uh, a couple of weird things that, that have happened over the last couple of days. We should uh, mention, the, the, are you, do you play a 50-50 when you go to Golden Knight games? No, no, the 51-49? Yeah. I keep saying I'm going to, and I don't. All right. Well, uh, I've mentioned before that it's like a, a natural pastime in Canada. Yeah, they're always really big in Vegas it's when the huge. Jets come to town. They rolled over the pot from game one, and the pot going into right now before the face-off, before the fan, they're just filing in right now, is already up to seven hundred and forty-two thousand dollars for what? your your fifty seven hundred seven hundred. And even you take the exchange in that, whatever, it's still half a million dollars. You're walking away with two hundred fifty. That's, that's a nice that's down a, payment on a it, home, right it there. It will be. It will be over. <laughs> Well over a million dollars for the 50-50 by the Holy by the end smokes. of tonight, and and there is a difference and uh, between the the attention that a 50-50 draw gets in Canada and the United States, it's it's just I don't know what makes Canadians buy into this thing, uh, but uh, but it's insane. So uh, I will be purchasing tonight. <laughs> Let me know if you want in on that. So right? if we if we don't see you tomorrow, I guess that means that you no no that you I'll. Want. I'll 
you know, I'm still working. Oh, okay. Right. But here's the thing. My give-a-crap level, way down. <laughs> well, it's already pretty far way down. down. So Are you I, kidding? I, I'm as I passionate as anybody. I can't I imagine I, it going much lower. No, I, I, I love my job. I, I, I just don't buy into the hyperbole of what, uh, what some of the uh, broadcasting uh, clip notes are supposed to entail. Uh, I'm my own person. Yeah, uh, I, here's, I, here's another one. Uh, Gary Lawless in the scrum yesterday with Alex Petranzel. Did you listen to that? No, no, I didn't get to catch uh, it. Oh, you, should, you, you missed out on an opportunity. I could go back and listen so to right it. So <laughs> right in the middle of the Petro uh, media conference, Gary suffers one of these, which is apparently a, a common thing with him, sneeze fits. Really? I didn't know that. And, and he goes four deep oh. on the sneeze fit. And he tried to catch it early, and the, once you try and hold it in, it gets then, worse. Then you're stuck. Yeah, it just mutates from there. <laughs> Petro stopped the press conference, media conference, reached out to Gary. Gary, you okay? Yeah, I'm all right. And and they continued on. But it was one of those uh, funny moments in the midst of uh, obviously a serious situation in the Stanley Cup playoffs where Gary suffers these. He said he's gone seven before. Seven. Uh, but it was it was it was only four deep uh, yesterday, but right in the middle of a of a player conference, a media conference in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And here's the other one. We woke up today, our hotel. Yeah. No water. No water. No water. Uh, they had they had some kind of uh, water main break. I don't know. I don't know what it was exactly, but uh, but there was no running water. All morning, and when we went, uh, the morning skate uh, today was actually noon uh, because of the delayed face-off to uh, 8, uh, 8.30 uh, local time tonight. So everything was pushed back. So nobody could do their regular routine. There was drips and drabs of water, like you could brush your teeth, you could do uh, the important stuff, but you couldn't have a full-fledged shower. Why do, why do I have this vision of you telling everybody that the water in your shower, in your bathroom worked? And you no, it didn't. It didn't. It no, didn't. no, no, I know. But you, no, you, no, no. I, I tried to pull that with, uh, with Dave Gosher when he said, was your water out? And I'm like, no, mine was great. It was good. But he, <laughs> but he was on to me. He knows wow. that, uh, that I'm a jerk that way. But here's the thing. So while I was waiting for the water to come on, I turned on my shower. So uh, as soon as it came on, I would know. And then I went back and started doing my notes for the uh, for the preparation for the morning skate and getting some stuff ready. But and then I went. But then I left and went to the morning skate. Then I went out for lunch with my buddy here. And by the time I got back to my room, it's seven hours later, six hours later. I forgot that my water had been turned on, and the water came on <laughs> while I was gone. And it was on the hot setting. Oh no! So this 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 is classic. This is this was one of the funniest, most amazing. And dumbest things I've, uh, I've ever gone through. Uh, I opened my door to the hotel room. And just this steam comes pouring out of my room. And there's a, uh, a hotel worker right beside me. And she looks at me with this look of fear on her face. Like, because she's wondering if my room is on fire. But it, it's just really steam from the shower that, that has been going for I don't know how long. Oh my god. 2 hours, 3 hours, 4 I've been gone for 6. So I don't know when the water actually came back on. Oh my god. But gosh. this steam just came pouring out uh, of the room and it was it was like a sauna in there and I just <laughs> shook my head. Oh, uh, oh my. At least your suit didn't need to be No. Exactly. That was just uh, one of those uh, goofy experiences that you go through on the road that's just uh, uh, a little bit wacky. But I had to share that with you. The water was turned off, uh, but everything's good. Uh, it was uh, a civic issue. It had nothing to do with uh, gamesmanship. I don't want to start that rumor at all. And uh, and I ended up right in the middle of it with some You're, you're uh, a real Vegas. gem. I know. A real gem. Uh, <laughs> Vegas, Toronto, the Rangers, and the Avalanche all looking for 3-1 series leads tonight. Uh, the pregame show, the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, Winnipeg Jets, coming up from Whiskey with Chris Chapman on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Uh, thanks for listening to the BGK Insider Show. Uh, hope Ryan Wallace feels a lot better tomorrow. And hopefully we talk to you again with the Vegas Golden Knights holding a commanding two-game lead in this series. If they win tonight, they're up 3-1. A loss, and it's a best of three. Chris Chapman has all your information next as we continue to tee up Game 4 from Winnipeg on Fox Sports Las Vegas.